Buy with Rob is your best choice when purchasing your new home in the Puget Sound area. Call 360-710-9425 today and get started on the best home buying experience you will ever have. Go to buywithrob.com today. Now we showed you a CIA agent, homosexual, Anderson Cooper on CNN. Well, over on the other communist news channel, MSNBC, they have another homosexual, Rachel Maddow. You see, America, you've been homosexualized. You've been Judaized. I'm going to just tell you the way it is, okay? Your minds have been captured. You're no longer a Christian nation. Even the Christians don't think like Christians anymore. Right. You've been Judaized. You've been homosexualized. You've been, you've been Babylonianized. Your minds have been tainted. You don't even think like a Christian anymore. Podcasts are verbal narcissism for ugly journalists. Hello, can I talk to Mr. David, Dave Bowman? Approach and identify. Hello? Friends, I think we're about 72 hours, possibly 72 hours from a coup. Look, be prepared that you're going to turn on television and see helicopters hovering over the roof of the White House with men clad in black repelling down ropes entering into the White House. Be prepared for a shootout in the White House as Secret Service agents shoot commandos coming in to arrest President Trump. From the Buy With Rob studio, located in beautiful Silverdale, Washington, this is the Dave Bowman Show. Now, here is your submarine-qualified, well-coffeed, stuffy, elitist history buff host, Dave Bowman. Hey, good morning, good evening, or good afternoon, wherever you are, whatever you do. A lot of things happening in the world today, most of them far beyond our control, you might say. So perhaps it's time we took a pause, thought about life, thought about the laws of gravity, gay people, Jews, predictions, religion, PEDs, second base, the war that never ends, politics, and or the news. Don't touch that dial. Just try to hear me out for a while. Not as ready for this as I sound today. Experts around the country are complaining that we aren't listening to them when they tell us what's going to happen. Can you come up with any reason why that might be the case? I love baseball, but these steroid arguments are getting weird. It has skewed what we think we saw. And the war without end or declaration that we were told is over? (laughs) Isn't. Here's how you get a hold of me. The text machine is area code 209-565-DAVE. Email is dave at the davebowmanshow.com. And of course, we're on the web, probably even the dark web. Just look at the Dave Bowman Show on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, TuneIn, and your preferred non-denominational, that's important, web search engine. Eloqui Conizio, greatest enemy of knowledge is not ignorance. It is the illusion of knowledge. Well, welcome to the last show before vacation. I wish I could sit here and tell you that I 
See, here's the thing. I spent all day yesterday prepping this show. I knew what I wanted to talk about. I knew what I wanted to say. And then about 2.45 this morning, I shot straight up in bed and realized that nobody cares about what I had prepped about, that it was pointless because, once again, it's just about me, which I realize this show is about me, but, you know, try to at least make it interesting sometimes. The other night, my, my, my brozen, brozen, he's my, he's really my cousin, but we're close like brothers and business partners and all that. Uh, we, uh, every now and then we like to go out and, and, and have a meeting, a business meeting, and it is a business meeting. We start out talking about business and this one was supposed to be about marketing and sales and what we were going to do to, uh, increase our flow you know, over the next few months because, um, well, we want to make more money. I know it sounds, sounds gauche and Nicole Turney and that sort of thing. But we like to make money. I mean, we like to spend money and we like to make money. So in other words, we, we got to go out and do that stuff so that we can, uh, we can actually uh, do that. So that's how the meeting started. And it, you know, well into the second 22-ounce margarita, it kind of turned into <laughs> everything else but that. Um, and I mentioned on Facebook, I said, if anybody was taping tonight's episode of Things Dr- things Sober Dave Would Never Say, can you forward it to me? Because it was, it was actually pretty good. And it it's not that I wouldn't, it's, it's you know, they, they say alcohol loosens, loosens your inhibitions and you tend to say what you really think. And I think that the, to the degree that that is so, I, I, I think it's true. I didn't say anything I didn't believe, what I, but it's stuff that, you know, in polite society, you don't talk about because, number one, you don't want to start the arguments. Number two, it's, you know, it's the kind of thing that makes people uncomfortable. And I could even tell you that it was making, it was making my brother and my brosen, my brosen, brosen, brosen. I got to figure out a word for this. Uh, I could tell at times it was making him uncomfortable, but he enjoys the argument and the debate as much as I do. And it, it had to do with religion. I, you know, most of you know by now. If you if you don't, if you're new to the show and you don't, well, a little bit of catch up here. I was raised in a very strict, conservative, Wesleyan Methodist denomination called the Salvation Army. Most people don't know that the Salvation Army is a church, but it is. It is a very, very, um, well, it's Wesleyan Methodist. I mean, that's what it is. It's, uh, it's very much a part of the holiness movement that came out of England in the mid-1800s. And it was founded by a guy by the name of William Booth, who was a card-carrying member of the Chartist Organization, which was a major disestablishmentarianist organization. In other words, they thought that the queen and king, at that time the queen, needed to be done away with, get, get rid of that. And so here's this guy who forms an army is marching in the streets and they can't figure out why people are watching them. Anyway, point being that putting all that aside and just stay sticking to the theology, the whole thing, it was, it was formed out of the holiness movement, the Wesleyan new connection kind of thing. If you want to go back and read all this stuff, you can. Um, and in essence, William Booth went out and he was a street preacher, started preaching to poor people in the East End of London. He got them saved and he started bringing them into the church. Well, 
the churches didn't like that because those people stink. They smell bad. And so he went off and formed his own church called the Salvation Army. It wasn't called that. Originally, it was called the Christian Mission, and then they changed the name later on. And at any rate, this organization, uh, which was once referred to as a queer organization, didn't mean what it meant then, what it means now, but uh, they, uh, you know, they thrived and grew, and then they invaded America in 1880 and grew from there. And somehow or another, I don't have the whole story, but somehow or another, my great-grandparents on my dad's side got involved with this. Specifically, my great-grandmother got involved with this, and she got saved. And uh, then my, my grandfather, who was very, um, I guess, passionate about theology and that sort of thing, he got saved. And uh, my grandmother, who uh, was from a family of some means was going to the same church or what we call a core CORPS. And so anyway, they got together selling war cries one day out of the bars and history was made. They ended up eloping. They have my, my uncle and my father who both go on to become Salvation Army officers. And the, the, the long story short is that, you know, I'm a, basically a, was that grand, great parents, me, basically a fourth-generation Salvation Army person. So it was not unusual because the Salvation Army operates the way it does. I ended up going to the seminary for the Salvation Army and becoming a, a pastor, an officer in the Salvation Army, which was a huge mistake. I've said that on many occasions. It was, it was one of the biggest mistakes of my life, but I wouldn't be here if that hadn't happened. So I look at mistakes as, you know, sort of... Uh, Mistakes are, are only mistakes if you don't learn anything from them, okay? And I learned a lot of things from that. Number one, I learned that I don't believe this. And the more I had to tell other people what they should believe, it, it got harder and harder and harder. And eventually, as you know, that struggle in my, my life, and it, it started long before that, I ended up converting to Judaism in 2008. Now, I would tell you that I converted long before that. And rabbis will tell you that people who convert to Judaism, they have a Jewish soul because there's something in that that's tugged them for a long time. One of the things that I prefer about Judaism to the faith in which I was raised, and I'm not denigrating the faith with which I was raised at all. My parents are still uh, now retired Salvation Army and highly involved with that. My sister is a retired Salvation Army officer. My uncle of blessed memory was Salvation Army officer. I worked for the Salvation Army for many years. Um, put that aside for the moment. My my difficulty with the theological element of it, not the social services element. We're not even talking about that today. My difficulty with the theological element was the resistance to questions. And what I found in Judaism was a willingness to not just have questions. I mean, you can ask whatever question you want. Imagine the strangest thing you could ask. And ask it. And what you'll find, what, what will amaze you is that in Judaism, we have a, a, a book called the Talmud. It's actually a series of books in which I would bet about 70 to 80 percent of the time, somebody else has already asked your question. And it's been fully debated and discussed by the greatest sages in Jewish history and written down for you to read. It's not always the easiest reading. It's not always... It's not always the simplest of answers, and because it's Judaism, there really is no answer. Hey, is, why is the sky blue? Well, it's because of this. No, it's because of that. So what's the answer? 
The answer is, which side do you prefer? Do you prefer this or that? Kind of a, kind of approach to think. But at least we're willing to ask the questions. And I found, and I please don't misunderstand me. I'm not criticizing your faith. Not saying anything about what you believe or why you believe it or your church or your faith or whatever. I'm not. Talking about mine. Okay? At least we're willing to ask the questions. For most of my life, for much of my life, the questions were treated with disdain and the sense that you're questioning God. You, you don't have the place. It's not your place to question God. You can't do that. You shall not. The answer is right here. It's in black and white in the King James Version of the Bible, and that's it. And you either believe that or <laughs> the fires of hell await you because you're not saved, obviously. And I had a real problem with that, and I still have a problem with that. And much of what I had to say the other night on the episode of Things, Things Sober Dave Would Never Say uh, came out in that discussion because my cousin, my brethren, is uh, also a former Salvation Army officer who is no longer an officer for for some of the same reasons, but not quite the same reason. And he still, you know, holds the army in, in very high regard. And if you were to ask him what church he goes to, he doesn't. But that's probably what he would tell you. So this spirited discussion turned into this moment where, for the first time in my life, I was really verbalizing things that have bothered me for so many years because I trust I trust Rob. And I, I, I know that if I say these things to him, he's not going to whack me upside the head with a 10-pound King James Version Bible and tell me, believe or else, and he's just not going to do that. But I have this desire, I have this need, I have this compulsion to question things, particularly when it comes to theology, and I guess it, I guess it converts over into other areas as well. Much of what I learned in uh, public speaking and that sort of thing, you know, it, it all sort of, it all sort of applies and you know, it's uh, it's interesting to me how much along the way I've learned that have come into to this a soul vomit. That's what it was, Alex. That's, I, but it was the first time I'd really verbalized some of these things that I had said, including, I wouldn't call them disrespectful questions, but they were questions about that human beings have asked from day one. I mean, they were the same questions that people no doubt asked about Zeus and Apollo. Why should I believe this? What? Why? There's no evidence of this kind of thing, and yet somehow or another I'm told if I don't believe it that I'm the problem. And so it goes along. Well, one of the biggest problems that I have with, I guess, religious faith in general is it's – I don't know how to dis- I don't know how to explain this. I'm not even sure why I'm on this because it really isn't where I wanted to go. But for the moment, I, I have a real issue with people who make predictions in the name of God. I have a real problem with with ideas with, with people who say that this is the way it is because you know the version of the Bible that I read says that the you know this is that and this is that. And that, and never shall anyone question that. And so I was playing you that uh, Rick Wilder clip at the beginning from the other day. I mean, this was I think that was last week, where look, I don't like <laughs> watch MSNBC. I don't like Rachel Maddow's style at all. I I've 
I don't watch her, but ne- never have I been able to take something that she said and turn that into a prediction, a prophecy, as it were, that within 72 hours, commandos are going to be rappelling into the White House. I ain't even play the whole part of it. They're going to be rappelling into the White House, gunning down the Secret Service agents, and then dragging the Trump family, the entire family, out onto the White House lawn and beheading them. That's what the man said. And this is a man who will tell you that the reason you don't believe him is because you've been homosexualized and Judaized. You've been gayized and you've been Jewized. And, 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 you know, this is a man that passionately supports Donald Trump. And you ask the silly question about why, you know, in general, Jewish people aren't all that excited about Donald Trump. Maybe because you got idiots like this running around saying that <laughs> Jews are going to ally with homosexuals, hire a bunch of commandos and cut his head off. And oh, by the way, this is a prophecy from God. I mean, he's a Christian, so it must be, right? And the part that bugs me is that he's the expert in his religion. That's what I was trying to get to before was, one of the things that bothers me about this stuff is you can't, you can't define my religion. I don't ask you to. When somebody tells me what I believe because I'm this, I get angry. And that's why you very rarely hear me say, you believe this because you are that. It's ridiculous. It's, it's outrageous. It doesn't work that way. And yet people do it all the freaking time, don't they? Well, this clown is doing that too. Well, you Jews must hate Donald Trump, and so you want his head cut off. You gays, well, you know, I don't, I'm not exactly sure what your involvement in this is, other than apparently riling up us Jews to go cut his head off. I, I'm not sure how that works. But at any rate, this man claims to speak for God. He claims that his, his motion, his, his emotion, his passion, his everything, becomes from the King James Version by the Bible, and... He speaks with the authority of God as an expert on his faith. Just like Louis Farrakhan speaks as a whatever the hell he is of his faith. Just like the general speaks for the Salvation Army and the, the Pope speaks for the, for the Catholic Church. Just like all these people speak for this. And it drives me crazy. Because these experts at anything, whether it's religion, whether it's science, whether it's weather, (laughs) the weather channel, whether it's economics, politics, you name it, football for God's sakes. These experts are invariably wrong. I'm pretty sure that within 72 hours, there have been no commandos, gay, Jewish, or otherwise, plopping down onto the White House, ready to rip Donald Trump's head off. I'm assuming Kathy Griffin would lead them, right? That, that would have to be part of this. She would have to be dressed up as a commando. And yet nobody that listens to this clown will question that. Nobody will say, dude, you got it wrong. Right? Nobody ever says to the economists, you were completely wrong. Nobody ever says to the budget people, you were completely wrong. Nobody ever says to the, to the football people in Vegas, 
criminy, you were way off. Nobody ever says to these experts, uh, my friend Dave Nabhan was, was pining today about, you know, the global warming experts. and Why do people believe them? Because none of their predictions have come to pass. Well, why don't we believe them? It's because none of their predictions come to pass. And yet nobody ever questions this. And it's more than just science. It's more than just weather. It's more than baseball and football. It's in religion, too. These nut jobs that predict these these crazy things. The world's going to end in 24 hours. The world's going to end on August you know, 26th, 2018. Nibiru, Jesus is coming back. It never happens. And yet people still believe it every time. Except that they don't really believe it, do they? Oh, you'll get a few that'll hand over all their cash and all their their well be their belongings and go, I can't wait. And then when it happens, I was watching a guy on TV yesterday talking about how, well, I, I'm, I'm still unsure of what happened. I mean, this they filmed this guy. The world was supposed to end at a specific time, and he's standing in Times Square with his Bible out, counting it down. All these people standing around him going, okay, when's it going to happen? Well, any second now. And then it never happens. And the confusion on his face is just, it's priceless. Does he go back to that pastor that told him that and say, dude, what the hell? No. He goes back and accepts whatever idiotic explanation there is. Well, it was a spiritual rapture. Well, it was, I miscalculated this. Oh, I missed that part. Oh, I did. Why do we listen? Why do we listen to anybody that predicts anything? 99% of the time, they're wrong. And it just irritates the crap out of me when it comes to religion, because now you've got this whole thing where you got this guy out there talking about this guy who's a, a, a hardcore Trump supporter, folks. He's hardcore. And he believes that Jews and gay people are going to send commandos to behead Donald Trump. And when it doesn't happen, nobody says anything to him. Hi, Steve. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't, uh, Steve is uh, in the chat room. And... Sorry, man. I'm. I, I, if you know, you know. If you don't, you don't. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Steve, and I have, Steve and I have a similar experience in this whole thing right here. So... At any rate, it, it got me uptight, and it got me frustrated, and it got me irritated, and I just, between David's question and Dave Nabhan's question about why don't people believe the experts on global warming, well, because they've been wrong every time since. Because they never get it right. Why do I watch the weather, babe? Well, I know why I watch the weather, babe, and it has nothing to do with the weather. I don't care about the weather. I can look outside and see what the weather's going to be. I don't need her to tell me what the temperature's going to be. I got my iPhone for that. I'm not watching her for the weather. Trust me on that one. Because she's wrong most of the time anyway. Economists are almost invariably wrong. And the beauty of that is there's so many of them that they're all predicting opposite things. This guy predicts that the economy is going to collapse tomorrow. That guy predicts that it's going to go up tomorrow. Well, it's like Judaism in a nutshell. Which one do you want? Pick, Pick your side. comes to matters of faith, it's hard because there is, there is so much dogma and there is so much refusal to accept that anybody could possibly believe something different and not be wrong. 
that that uh you know it makes it kind of hard sometimes to to deal with stuff and that's why I don't like to talk about religion extensively I mean I love theology don't get me wrong but but I don't uh but I have a lot of questions and many of my questions have caused people around me people who love me people who who hang around me including my dear wife to be concerned about my eternal soul, because my questions are not the kinds of questions that we're taught to ask when you're growing up as a Christian. You're not supposed to ask those. You're just supposed to take it on faith. Well, that's not the lesson I took from certain places in the Old Testament, or as we refer to it, the Tanakh. It's not the lesson that I took from, you know, I mean, faith has its place. Don't get me wrong. But faith has to be based on something. It has to, there has to be a reason for it. And just, I said so, isn't sufficient for me, and it never has been, and it never will be. And so, a lot of questions came tumbling out of my mouth the other night that were things that, again, I would never publicly really discuss, because it makes me, it makes other people uncomfortable, and you could occasionally see people at the other tables looking at us like, are they really talking about that? (laughs) And yes, it took, you know what, 36 ounces of margaritas to get me to that point, but things Sober Dave would never say, I guess, is the way I live. Maybe that's what I should do sometime. Maybe I should sit in here with with a big-ass margarita and just start. And by the time I'm done, I will have no audience at all because I will offend everybody. <laughs> the questions that I have are not, I don't think they're unreasonable. I why would it be unreasonable to question the existence of God? It, certainly as God is defined in traditional Western Christianity. If it, is irra- if it is irrational to question that, well, maybe that's the problem. Is that you can't ask questions. And this is kind of what's happening with global warming. This is where Dave and I went on, the, on that discussion was you can't ask those questions. If you ask questions, you are denying that it's happening. I'm not denying that there's a God. I'm just saying we have some real questions about how he does things because some of them don't make any sense. And I believe in an orderly universe, not, uh, I believe, certainly believe that if there is a God, he's a God of order. In fact, uh, I'm told that on numerous occasions, he's a God of order, not chaos. Well, that doesn't explain some things. And that's what led me down that whole mishmash the other day of arguments and debates. And I have no idea why I'm telling you this. I really don't. This was not in my tense, not even in my notes. I was supposed to talk about experts and why people don't believe experts. They don't believe experts because they're wrong most of the time, including this asshat who was predicting that Jews and gays are going to kill the president using commandos to, to rappel down from helicopters. And yet people will still send this moron money. And they'll send him a lot of money, way more than I'm making, because God told them to. See what I'm talking about? Anyway, I got to take a break. It's uh, it's the Dave Bowman Show right here on the Podcast 99 Internet Radio Network. It is the day before vacation, which could explain much of this, I hope. If it doesn't, well... Live and learn, I guess. Stay with us. We'll be back right after this. 
is the Podcast 99 Internet Radio Network. Listening to the Dave Bowman Show on the Podcast 99 Internet Radio Network. I feel like we've come full circle on this show. I know we have a long way to go. I'm not dying or anything like that, at least as far as I know. So, a long time ago, when this was a very early morning show at like 5.30 in the freaking morning. We had a story about some kids that got into the enclosure at the tiger enclosure at San Francisco Zoo. Remember this? And the tiger bit one of their hands off. My then producer, Heather, and I had this robust debate about whose fault it was and she kept coming down on the, the zoo for not having the fences high enough, for not having things locked. These kids broke into the zoo and then got into the... And my position was, don't start nothing, won't be nothing. If, if you don't taunt the tigers, then the tigers won't eat you. It's really that simple. So now we've come full circle with this hippopotamus spanking. That's... uh. And as I was telling the chat room, spanking the hippopotamus shall now from henceforth and forever be known as a euphemism for Dave's rants about things that have nothing to do with what you should be talking about at the moment. Spanking the hippo. I got to get t-shirts made. The Dave Bowman Show, spanking the hippo since 2007. (laughs) Come on down to Dave's dead horse farm. Now with hippo spanking. All right, how many of you would buy that T-shirt? If I if I had that made, how many of you would buy that? Come on, show of hands. All right. All right, we may do that. I'm getting ready to go on vacation, so, you know, who knows? By the time I get back from Montana, I may have completely forgotten it. Holy crap. Robinson Cano comes back today for the Seattle Mariners after his 80-game suspension. For using PEDs, performance-enhancing drugs, which used to be called steroids. And then that, you know, that got a bad reputation, so now they call them PEDs. And, and I, I don't know how to feel about this, because I, I, I have a, I have a love-hate relationship with steroids. I, I have used them myself in the past, not for performance-enhancing, but because they saved my eyesight at one point. And... They helped my knees and and sort of things like that. Medically prescribed steroids. I wasn't out going, you know, taking the clear or nothing like that. I wasn't, you know, trying to save my career in in baseball or something. But the flip side of that is they gave us skewed problems. It isn't just that players that had never hit 50, 60, 70 home runs before were all of a sudden hitting 50, 60, 70 home runs. It's that it lengthened their career unnaturally injuries that should have worn them down and eventually ended their careers at a, at a reasonable site didn't. And so these guys were able to play longer than they should have been able to play. And in doing so 
players that were in the minor leagues that should have come up and may have been the best we'd ever seen didn't get to because there was no place for them to go. And consequently, it it skewed what was happening to me. I understand the passion. I once interviewed one of the most well-known steroid users in all of baseball. I, I, I got the opportunity. I have, I still have his home cell phone number, his home number to his apartment. And he's a whack job. He's a whack-a-doodle. But he's a very interesting interview, and we shared something in common. And at one point, he played in Tacoma, which is where I used to go to a lot of games. And Tacoma, for those of you who don't know, it's 430 to center field with a 30-foot wall. And he is the only person I've ever seen put one over that. Now I wonder why. I mean, you know, steroids will do that to you. But he was um, he's a well-known steroid user. He wrote about the book. He admitted it. hes He pointed fingers at other people. And I won't name his name, but it rhymes with Jose Canseco. I never aired the interview. There were a couple of reasons for it. Number one, he was really disjointed. And it was difficult to follow him at times. And number two, there was a a buzz on his phone end. And so it was technically just not, it would have sounded terrible on the air. I still have the interview, but I, I've never aired it and I never will. But it was, I, I think one of the things that we talked about was the steroid use because he was, you know, he was pushing his book and so he wasn't afraid to talk about it. But one of the things he said to me was he loved the game so much that he didn't want to let go. And this was a way to not let go of the game. And I understand that passion. I really do. There, there are things in life that we don't want to let go of, and so we stay a lot longer than we should. We, we hold on to a job that we shouldn't hold on to that we really checked out of you know, years ago, but we, you know, it's a hassle. We stay with a phone contract because you know, it's just too much of a pain in the butt, and so we just you know, hang on to it. Things that are no longer of any value to us or any good for us, but we want to hang on to it. But baseball, you know, he said, I love the game and I wanted to keep playing and I wanted to keep playing at a high enough level that I could be, you know, in the game, which is odd because he's still in the game today, even though it's not at the major league level. But you, I, I get that passion, but at some point we have become, our society has become so much about the individualist statistics that we've forgotten that it's a team game and we've forgotten that it's a team sport and that no one person can win a freaking World Series, which is the goal of the, of the whole thing. But boy, if I hit you know 80 home runs in a year, I can get myself a $50 million contract that I'll never be able to live up to. So Robinson Cano is coming back today for the Mariners. And I'm, you know, look, I, I'm, I don't know what to think about this. I really don't. Mariners have done sufficiently well without him that do we really need him? Well, we got beat by the A's last night. After sweeping the Astros, we lost to the A's in a very close game that we came back in. Let's see what happens tonight, I guess. You know, see where it goes. But here's the thing. He can't, he's, he's ineligible for the playoffs. So even if, even if we bring him back and he drives us to the playoffs, then we got to dump him when we go into playoffs because he can't play. He's out for the, because of part of his punishment is you can't be on a playoff roster. So what good is he? If you can't win without him, what are you going to do if you make it to the playoffs? This is what PEDs, this is what steroids have done to the game. This is what it has caused, which is this weirdness 
of we're not really seeing what we should be seeing. Mariners, by the way, had a second baseman down at Tacoma, a guy by the name of Gordon Beckham that I love. I, I think Gordon Beckham is one of the classiest people in baseball. He's just never been able to do it in the major leagues. And so I was really hoping when Cano got suspended, I was hoping Beckham would come up, hit 330, and steal a bunch of bases and stuff like that. But he didn't. He was just being Gordon Beckham, which is, you know, one 175, a couple of walks here and there, and some decent defense. And so eh, it didn't work out. Anyway, I'll be watching the game tonight because, number one, I watch the Mariner games. Number two, they're playing Oakland, and I like the A's. And having spent many, many a year in the Central Valley of California, I got a lot of A's friends, including Rod, Rod Bow, who was busting my chops last night about the game while I was stewing over this idiot pastor who was telling me that you know, Jews and homosexuals were going to cut off the president's head within 72 hours, which didn't happen. And yet nobody pointing a finger at him going, false prophet, false prophet, false prophet. That's what the, that's what the book says, right? How do you, if someone says something's going to happen and it doesn't happen, they're a false prophet. Well, but no, they've got all the excuses in the world for why it didn't happen. It's the Alex Jones effect, right? This is happening. This is happening. This is the reason it didn't happen is because we told you about it. And so it scared them and they backed off. Really? If the forces of Satan, led by the Jews and the homosexuals, were going to cut off the president's head using commandos, do you really think you you talking about them is going to stop them? I'm sorry. I'm back on. I'm spanking the hippo again. Sorry. I'm, somehow I somehow I went from baseball back to that. How did that happen? Jesus. <laughs> I don't know. <sighs> some days, man, some days you get up and you go, how did this happen? How did this, how did this, I'm 15 minutes from going on vacation, 15 minutes from the vacation I wanted to take from so many years. I mean, I went to these places. I, I've been to all these places with the exception of the internal of Yellowstone by myself. In fact, uh, we're going, like I said, little bighorn from, from Fort Phil Kearney to little bighorn is probably my favorite place on the planet. If I were just picking a place to live without any other consideration, where do you want to build your house and live? That would be it. It is some of the most beautiful country you'll ever see. And I just love it there. And I found it in 1985, strictly by accident. I was, I was driving back to, uh, to Silverdale, back to Banger, Subbase Banger. And I was going through Wyoming, cross Wyoming. I would actually had to cross Wyoming because at the time my parents lived in Laramie and my sister lived in Sheridan. And for some reason, my parents had my sister's cat, and they said, oh, you're going that way? Here, take this, take this cat to your sister. Which has led to one of my new laws, which is I never, never transport pets for somebody else. But at any rate, uh, I, I got off the highway because I got off the interstate because I, back in those days, I used to do that. And I found this whole fascinating area by accident. And I have made every effort to go back through there every chance I get. The last time I was there was 2006 when my parents retired uh, from Billings, Montana. I, uh, I spent a day and a half just seeing this area again and, and seeing it by myself. And so I've always wanted to go back there and I want to take Ben because I want him to see it and understand what happened in these places and why it happened in these places. And I'm looking forward to it. And so I'm 15 minutes from 
starting that whole process. And here I sit spanking the hippo over some idiot pastor somewhere that doesn't like Jews, Jews or homosexuals. Do you get the feeling that in his mind they're the same? Do you get the feeling that in his mind Jews and homosexuals are, are, are pretty much the same thing? I mean, I guess, I, I guess you could be gay and Jewish, right? I mean, I know, I know a lot of people that are. <sighs> I don't know very many Jewish gay commandos, though. So I'm not sure how that's going to work. I'm not sure how that's going to do. And I really, I get really frustrated about the fact that nobody, nobody is challenging this guy and saying, dude, didn't happen. So according to the Bible, we're supposed to take you out and stone you because you're a false prophet. I'd love to see what he says about that. I would love to see his reaction to that. The gays and the Jews are here to stone you for being a false prophet. Jeez. He would not like that, would he? That would be unfortunate. Speaking of things that are unfortunate, late last week, less than a thousand, less than a hundred miles from Kabul, which is in Afghanistan. Taliban forces launched a major assault that overwhelmed the strategically important city of Ghazani and supposedly or allegedly captured portions of it. This battle in eastern Afghanistan still waging as of yesterday morning when guess what happened? Now again, we've been told that the Afghanistan war, which was never declared, we never declared a war, we simply used a 2001 and 2003 authorization for the use of military force, which at least in this case did deal with the Taliban. So I guess you got to give it that. We were told that this war was over. Combat operations were done. Remember this? I think, uh, I think we've had two presidents tell us that. Bush and Obama both told us that this war was over. Right? Well, you'd be happy to know that the 101st Airborne Division is back in action fighting in this... Uh, fighting in the city, 100 miles east of Kabul. The uh, American troops operating under the command of U.S. forces Afghanistan have been uh, fighting and conducting airstrikes since Friday. We're advising the Afghan forces and assisting the Afghan forces. You know what that means. And U.S. air power has delivered decisive blows to the Taliban. In addition to the initial strike and close air support on Friday, we conducted five strikes on Saturday, 16 on Sunday, and at least two yesterday. On Sunday, the Taliban's official news website, which I didn't even know they had, called the Voice of Jihad, claimed that insurgent forces had seized a large base with strategic importance near the governor's office. Well, there you go. Uh, the number has been the number of uh, forces and civilians killed has been confused, and I just spilled my iced tea. <laughs> that was dumb. Still, uh, the fact is that such a anyway. I guess the whole point of this is that the war without end is still going on. Still hasn't been declared. Still hasn't. Still, we've been told it's over, but it's not. It's not. And there you have it. Hang on. Be right back. I had a towel, but it was on the other side of the room, so I had to get up and go. I don't know about them, but the assault would be fabulous. Yes, it would. Ah, folks, I'm, I'm, 
I'm losing my mind, I guess. And, and, you know, I've checked out. I really have. I've already checked out. But one of the fears that I have, and I guess in a way it's kind of related to the whole religious spanking, is this war that doesn't have any end, this war that has no, it has no goal, it has no end game, it has nothing, and it has no declaration of war, and consequently it has no discussion here in the United States. And we're told once again by the experts how the war is going. It's going really well. We've, uh, we've launched 16 airstrikes. We've driven them back. We're doing great. Just like the experts used to say in 1963, 64, 65, 66, 67. Things are going great. Only the experts were wrong. And it wasn't going that well. And I don't think this is going that well. I just, how can it be going that well if we've decided it's over and yet they're still attacking strategic points? Something doesn't make sense here. And ultimately, at the end of the day, we're not believing them. More and more people are starting to not believe them. Well, why wouldn't we believe the experts? Why wouldn't we believe them? Mostly because they're usually wrong. They usually get it ass backwards. And while I certainly believe that we have a very effective military and we have a very highly trained and our boys are, are good, boys and girls are good at what they do, it's more of those questions that we, we don't like to ask in polite society, isn't it? More of those hippos we like to spank. Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Are we really solving the problem here? Or are we just pretending that this is what we need to do because some congressman somewhere needs some money spent in his district to buy something that the Pentagon doesn't even want to maintain this thing that's going on? And we don't seem to want to question it because those aren't the kinds of things you say when you're sober because if if you do, you're labeled as unpatriotic, un-American. Shun the outsider. Shun him. Uh, There you go. Who knows what this is going to do? Who knows where this is all going to end up? Who knows what it's going to take to get this straightened out? I don't know. I just know that we've never, we haven't declared a war. Congress hasn't done its job. Except that uh, it's using this to get reelected at every at every turn. And I don't care what party they're in; both Democrats and Republicans are doing it. They're using it to bring home the bacon to their district, to get more and more spending on defense stuff in their district, so that they can get reelected. And on and on and on this will go. And someday my son's going to be old enough to be a participant in this goddamn thing that never has been declared and never ends. If you think I got questions for God today, wait till that day comes, because then I'm going to be really asking some questions and really having some arguments about things. And I speak, I say that as someone who is a veteran, someone who has served. I don't like what's going on, but not a lot of it, not a lot I can do about it right now, so. Do the best we can and keep going. Tim Price is coming up next. He's got a lot of griping about the Pentagon budget that was passed yesterday.
I don't have the same gripes. I mean, you got to pay the troops. You got to do those kind of things. But for the love of God, can Congress please do its job and either declare a war or decide that we're not doing this anymore? One of the two. And as far as the whole religious thing goes, well, my questions still don't have answers, but at least I got to ask them. And that's important, I guess, to me. And oh, by the way, Jews and gay people are not going to assassinate the president. So if you happen to be one of those people that believe that idiot, well, there's really no place for you on this show. Because, frankly, the Bible that he says is the truth says he should be stoned for being wrong. So take that for what it's worth. I got to get running. I will see you on Monday the 27th. I know that seems like a long way away. It's not as long away as I'd wish it was, but not because I just wish I had a longer vacation. But uh, keep checking the Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Dave Bowman Show, because I will be checking in live at various points throughout the vacation. So stay here on facebook.com slash the Dave Bowman Show so you don't miss those things. All right, take the time right now. Tell the people that matter in your life, you love them very much. You'd miss them if they weren't there. So don't pass up those opportunities. You don't want to have that regret. Plausibly live. I'm Dave Bowman, and this is my show, The Dave Bowman Show, right here on the Podcast 99 Internet Radio Network. Tim Preuss coming up next. Make sure you check out the other shows we have for you. Jay's Poly Podcast, This Week in U.S. Politics, The Ale Evangelist, Grandpa Ken, all available at podcast99.org. Everybody, behave yourselves. Don't break anything while I'm gone. And I'll see you in five, six, seven, I don't know. 10 or 15 days. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you. Bowman Show is a Slippery Fish Entertainment production for the Podcast 99 Internet Radio Network. For more information or to complain about how the show offended you, the text or voicemail number is 209-565-DAVE. For more information about the show, log on to the DaveBowmanShow.com. Hey, I'm going to go do something productive. I'm going to go watch television. Bowman Show is a Slippery Fish Entertainment production for the Podcast 99 Internet Radio Network. For more information or to complain about how the show offended you, the text or voicemail number is 209-565-DAVE. For more information about the show, log on to the DaveBowmanShow.com. Hey, I'm going to go do something productive. I'm going to go watch television.